Primary Care Knowledge Boost, how to use consultation skills to improve time management. Hello and welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Um, Just off the bat, I want to apologise in case you can hear the really heavy rain in the back of our track um, from the recording today because there was an incredible thunderstorm happening at the time of the recording. So I just wanted to (laughs) apologise straight off. Um, so today we're talking to Dr. Avril Danchak, um, who has been on the podcast with us before. She's been on for an episode back in August 2020, all around consultation skills, which is her massive passion in life. Um, and she's also been on for an episode about dealing with uncertainty in general practice. We re-released that episode over the summer because we absolutely love it. We got really good feedback over it and we just found it so transformative for our own practices. So we hope you've all gone and checked that one out as well and and taken great things from it. Um, Yeah, and just to give you a bit of context for today's episode, um, Dr. Dan Shek has uh, released a set of podcasts and modules um, called TALC, which stands for Teaching and Learning Consultation Skills. But she'll talk more about it to us as well. Um, And yeah, looking um, through the TALC resources on there and listening to people's feedback on areas to target episodes um today we focused on some of her pearls of wisdom around the topic of time management yeah and we'll be back at the end for a summary of our learning points enjoy um, so Avril, i know we've had you on the podcast before um but would you mind introducing yourself for anyone who hasn't heard um you with us before and describe a little bit about your current role sure thank you lisa i'm a gp educator i've been a gp for a long time been a GP appraiser and tutor and all that sort of thing. But my current role is mainly in GP education, uh, really creating resources to help people with their consultation skills training uh, with various kinds of materials, partly to help them pass their exams if that's what they need to do, but also really because consultation skills are the sort of scalpel investigations and everything that other people use. And in talc, which I'll tell you a bit more about in a minute, we like to say the ear is mightier than the scalpel. And so if we get our consultation skills really honed, it helps us to be happier, more effective, more efficient doctors. So that's what I do at the moment. Fantastic. And you alluded to it there, but tell us a little bit more about talc then. Well, talc stands for teaching and learning consultation skills. And it's a free to use online resource which covers pretty much everything you can think of to do with learning to improve your consultation skills from like why it's important, uh, how you can learn it, how you can improve, what the skills are uh, in detail, what the evidence base is for the skills, seeing some of the skills in practice. We've got videos and things on there and all the materials are on there in written form on the on the internet, but also uh, there's a podcast channel if you prefer to listen to those so you can listen to them in the car or while you're washing up or all that kind of thing. And we'll link to that stuff as well um, so that people can access it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed looking through them and seeing the different sections so that you can sort of pick out the ones that you like. Um, The ones that really stuck out to me are my long-standing agendas about my time management skills um, and uh, my assertiveness skills and things like that. So take us back, though, to first principles, if you will. So this episode's all about using consultation skills to help us with our time management. Um, Where do you start with this? Okay, well... I think the key starting point is to remember that the consultation is quite a complicated thing, actually, because you're forming a relationship with someone, talking to them, trying to do a proper clinical assessment, work out what to do next, 
present that to them and work with them to find a thing that works for them and then also to finish off the consultation in a way that's safe and effective for the future so there's quite a lot going on and I think the important thing is you're not going to learn or improve on all that every single day all the time and the thing to do is to remember that the consultation is divided into a series of tasks if you like or a series of of episodes which link together so you've got something about beginning effectively something about gathering information from the person maybe something about explaining your thoughts and planning what's going to happen next and then something about ending things and also something about building a relationship with that individual throughout And so those tasks are there in every consultation. But what we do with TALC is break those tasks down a bit and say, well, what skills do you need to achieve that task? This is a bit like saying, well, you know, here's an omelette. You've got to make an omelette and here's some eggs. But actually, that won't make an omelette. You've got to know how to open an egg without pouring the shell in. You've got to know how to beat it up. You've got to know what pan to use and all that kind of thing. So that's the analogy. There's tasks but we focus on helping people to learn the skills they need. Excellent. So can we pick your brains then and get a little bit of a sample um, of what's available and think about how maybe you can use consultation skills and some of that resources that you're talking about to help um, us manage our time better during consultations? Okay. Well, if we focus on managing time, I think this is a common concern for lots of people because it's it's a, a stress if it's not happening, isn't it, for everybody? And I think... A lot of people think there's some kind of top tips to managing time that if, you know, that a guru is going to lean forwards and say, if you only do this, all your concentrations will finish in 12 minutes and it'll be fine. And I'm sorry, the bad news is it doesn't really work like that. But on the other hand, (laughs) there is good news, though, which is that because consulting well is a skill, you always learn a new skill slower than you do it in the end. If you think about learning to ride a bike or learning to cook something, or if you play the piano, you don't start off at top speed. You usually start off doing things quite slowly and carefully until you've mastered the technique. And a lot of people who get most worried about time are people who are learning how to do this. So it's natural to be slower. So I think, first of all, don't worry too much about that. What you need to do, though, is to embed the core skills properly, because when you've learned them, they make your consultations more efficient. And what I mean by this is, is that you end up doing the right thing during the consultation and focusing on the right thing. And that saves a lot of time. So if I give you an example, as a trainer, when you get somebody inexperienced, they might spend half an hour with the patient and they'll come and say, I'm a bit stuck. And they've spent half an hour, it's quite a lot of time, and they still haven't quite got to the bottom of why somebody's there. I'll maybe talk to them for two minutes and discover that what they're really concerned about is a particular thing, and then the consultation can move on. And it's not that they wouldn't have told that other person what they were concerned about. It's just that an inexperienced person doesn't ask the right question or listen to the answer in the right way. And therefore, they spend a lot of time going round and round. So I'd say the kind of key skills are things like really understanding how to start a consultation effectively. Preparation is important, preparing yourself and also beginning properly using the skills of the TALP module one, which is about beginning consultations effectively. And then gathering your information in a sensitive and effective way, because if you build a good relationship and really listen to the patient, you'll get the information more quickly and you'll get the right information that you need. 
And obviously, when it comes to explaining things, quite often what we see is somebody listening in the first half of the consultation. And then when they've done the examination, decided what to do, it's almost like they go, right, now it's your turn to listen to me. They talk for five minutes and then the patient says, I don't understand any of that. Or the Mm. patient says, well, I know you want me to go to hospital, but I'm not going. And they get into a kind of conflict or, or a repetition or they don't check that the patient's understood. They just say the same thing over and over again. And if you find yourself saying the same thing two or three times, that's wasting time because you've already said it once. So you need to do something different. So that's about how the core skills can make you more efficient. I guess you're interested specifically in how your time management skills can improve. So I don't know, what do you think about what I've just said? I suppose I'm going to model what you need to do in the explanation and planning of personalised care bit and say, you know, that's my thoughts. What What are your thoughts about what I've just said? Does it make sense? A lovely reflection of, of uh, how to use it. Yeah, I, I um, st- starting, I, I definitely, I'm still now struggling. I think recently I tried to change what I, opened the consultation with because the more I know people the more I'm saying oh how are you doing now and starting off nearly where I left off um and I've had to correct myself a little bit with a bit more of a uh to the point starting it might be a bit of preamble in the corridor but um more uh, how can I help as soon as we're in there well I really think um thinking about the opening question is very important because Mm. if you say how can I help you're saying, how can I help me? What am I, I'm supposed to fix something. And you're also saying, how can I help? It's my job to help you. It's it's actually more time efficient to say something like, what would you like to talk about today? Right, yeah. Because actually somebody might not want you to help them and they might even be talking about somebody else. I mean, there can be lots of different things. But also to follow that up uh, using some further agenda setting skills. When somebody's told you why they've come, to say something like, is there anything else you're planning to talk about today? Yes. Or in a follow-up to say something like, okay, so you, you've said you want to talk about whatever it is. What questions have you got about that? And when they tell you, say, what other questions have you got about that? Until they say, no, that's everything. Because let's say somebody comes and says, look, I'm on loads of medication. Do I have to stay on that for the rest of my life? Well, that's a good starting point. But if don't finish there. Say, well, what questions have you got about that? What else were you planning to ask me about? Because then they'll say something like, I was hoping to reduce the painkillers and da, 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 da. And I was also wondering if I actually have to take painkillers when I haven't got any pain. And then you know what the consultation is going to be about. And then you don't spend a lot of time beating around the bush trying to find out why they're there. Mm. And it might seem time consuming, but there's a lot of evidence to show that investing in the beginning in that way makes the consultation shorter overall. So that would be one example, I guess, about how to think about how the skills impact on time management right at the beginning. Any thoughts from you, Lisa, because you were looking thoughtful? Yeah, it was just that part. I think that was the bit that I used to struggle with the most was um, that people would have multiple agendas when they came in and I would only ever get the first one. And I'd always forget to ask at the beginning if they had anything else they want to talk about. Then I get through the whole thing and then think that they were about to leave and then they'd land the other five problems with me. Um, and I really struggled with that. And that's really disheartening, isn't it? That's very disheartening for everybody because they realise that you're fed up and and want them to leave. And also you're thinking, I've done my work now and now I've got another five things. So part of the skill of the consultation is a bit like being a musician. When a musician plays scales, they play them properly every single time. 
not when they feel like it, but every single time. And so every single time you have to start the consultation in a proper way, every single time until you it comes naturally to you and you don't have to remember because it's actually, I mean, I learned the hard way the same as you, that after I'd had a few patients who I thought I'd dealt with, and then they said, oh, I've got this other thing, and I dealt with that. And then they said, oh, I've also got this other thing. And then they said, I've also got the thing on my back, which I think is a cancer. So you can't send them away and say, come back. And then I realised, actually, I could have found all that out at the beginning. And then I could have planned the consultation. And when people have a whole list, that can be disheartening too. But I love a list. A list means the patient is prepared. They've put in some work beforehand. They've thought about what they want to talk to you about. They're really helping you with the list. And I would really recommend if you're struggling with the list to go to talk module one, which is about preparing and the beginning of the consultation. And there's a whole chapter there called how can you learn to love a patient with a list? And it gives you some very specific strategies for handling the list in a way that actually is really helpful. And I think a list is a wonderful thing because you don't necessarily have to do everything on it, but also often things are related or you can group things together or you can say, look, that chest pain is really urgent. It's on the bottom of your list so that you didn't forget all those other things. But maybe we should start there. Whatever. It's it's really good. And so learn to love a patient with a list and your time management will improve as well. I think that's a really positive way of looking at that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do, Avril, if somebody comes in and it's a mental health uh, consultation so they say off the bat that they're low or I think those are the ones that I really struggle to agenda set with because the initial it nearly feels like dismissive um, I think sometimes you can be a bit more sort of okay so that's one thing for a lot of the physical things but mm. if somebody comes in saying something about because I because I'm interested in trying to embed these agenda setting skills much much more than I have um, but I think that, that that's a, the bit that throws me is sometimes I think, oh, if I say, oh, was there anything else you wanted to, to talk to me about? It, it can feel a bit dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. And I think a lot, of course, people who are very low often don't say much, do they? They come in and sit down mm-hmm. and say, oh, I feel terrible. Or I come to you because I feel really low or I can't sleep or whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I think there's two ways of handling that. One is to use the two most powerful words in the consultation, which are, go on Mm -hmm. tell me more you know I'm listening and then they will tell you a bit more about it and then you can start to get a bit of the feel of the shape of it and then you can still say something like look thank you for telling me that I can see that you're really struggling um, and we need to talk about this a bit more before we go into that can I just check was there anything else you were planning to talk to me about today? Or even, and, and even after that, you might even say, and and I was wondering what questions you've got about how bad, you know, what, what questions are in your mind about this? Because sometimes people are really thinking, should I be on antidepressants? Or sometimes they're really thinking, should I kill myself <laughs> or whatever? Mm-hmm. You don't know. So you can certainly spend a little bit of time just helping them to say something. And I think, empathically saying you know that sounds hard go on or just go on and leaving holding some space will often then help you to just get a feel for where it's going without closing it down too much yeah I like that kind of acknowledge that of what they've said and in in a nice way ask if they've got anything else to talk about that was a really nice phrasing that you used April yeah Mm, mm, yeah the power of acknowledgement is massive and especially if you can say look I I can really tell this is difficult for you at the moment 
I want to make sure we use our time together well. Can I, can I just check? Is, was there anything else you were planning to talk to me about? Because if they say something like, I desperately need some contraception, because you need to know that as well. It's going to be part of the consultation, even if you don't want it to be. It's going to be on the list. So, so why not find out at the beginning and then you can plan for it? Yeah, because sometimes there are those uh, consultations that can be so many really important things to focus on. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the agenda setting skills are amazing. That's, that's such a good place to start. Um, you mentioned about the the part where a lot of, and I've definitely, as an OSCE marker, seen this a lot where it's like, I've learnt my script of this is what I say now, and you will listen. And then it just seems like it's a bit where two people who really don't understand each other are talking. <laughs> Are you thinking about somebody who says, um, all right, I've worked out that you've got diabetes, so here's my diabetes spiel or something like that. If you're going to explain something like, well, anything really, you've got to understand the patient's starting point. And so there are two key things here which both move the consultation on. The first one is good summarising. And in TALC uh, for one, we talk about why summarising is the engine of the consultation, why it moves the consultation. Mm. Because if you sum up what's happened, the facts and the feelings, it enables you to move on. So if I say to somebody, well, you've told me all about this, I've examined you, I've tested your urine, I think I've got to the point where I know what's going on and I know you're very worried about diabetes. Then you've summarised the facts and the feelings, or I know you're very worried because you're so exhausted you can't get your work done or whatever it is. So now I'd like to tell you what I think's going on. I think you've got sugar in your urine, and that means we've got to be thinking about diabetes. Now at that point, it's very tempting to say you're an overweight fat person who never do any exercise, and that's why you've got high blood sugars, and we're going to do this that, and the other to get rid of it. But actually, it's much more important at that point to use the skills of chunking and checking, and to stop and say, "So, you know, what's your response to that?" Or what do you know about diabetes already? Or what are you thinking now? Because the person you're talking to might be a professor of endocrinology who says, oh, right, I had wondered. I'd even tested my urine myself, but I didn't like to tell you. Or it might be somebody who everybody in their family has got diabetes. Or it might be somebody whose dad died of diabetes at the same age. So you need to know that early on before you start ranting on about what you're going to be doing. And the most key thing here, which actually saves time, although bit counterintuitive is to have that dialogue because when you to and fro the patient says I know nothing about diabetes let's start at the beginning and you can say a little bit and then say what's your response to that and they'll say well whatever it is I don't want tablets okay well let's think about that it means you don't go through a load of options they're not interested in and it also means you staying with them and with what they can handle at that moment which means they're more likely to remember it they're more likely to do the things you've requested. They're more likely to tell you if there's any impediments to doing things. You know, like it's going to be really difficult for me to take tablets because whatever. And then you can adapt your response. It's been great to talk about agenda setting um, and all the different types of questions that we can use. And the the two most important um, words go on, as well as sort of how to summarise and using that as the engine of the consultation, which is fabulous thinking about chunking and checking um have you got any other points about time management for us yeah well i think once you've got those core skills in place there are things you can do to really um, drill down into time management Mm -hmm. and this does mean videoing your consultations or recording them and really watching or listening carefully and i think there's two main strands to this 
The first one is to make sure that you're not wasting time in consultations, that you're not using up time in an irrelevant way. And I'm going to talk to you a bit about how to spot those things. And then the second thing is to use the skills which are in TALC 7.2, which are about having some structuring statements which move the consultation on. So I'll talk about time wasting first, because I think you'll recognise some of these things. For example, Clinicians often ask the same question over and over again, and that's because they weren't really listening to the answer. It's incredibly annoying to patients, but also if you have to ask the same question three times because you weren't listening, that wastes time, doesn't it? You don't need to do that. Um, Often people ask patients a question about information they've already given. The patient says something like, I've given up smoking, but then later on somebody says, do you smoke or how much do you smoke? Mm. Uh, Sometimes people ask for a lot of information that's clearly recorded in the notes. Um, They'll say things like, have you had any serious illnesses? Well, you should be prepared beforehand by knowing that this person's had a heart attack and a stroke. You might want to ask them what the impact was or something else, but why ask them for factual information that you could prepare beforehand? The other thing that people you often find is the patient says the same thing over and over again. Yes. Now, usually that means that you that they've told you the cognitive facts, but they think you're going to guess the feelings. So if somebody keeps saying something like, you know, but, I, but I've got this spot on my arm and you're looking at it and thinking, yeah, it looks like a bit of fungus or something, but I've got this, it's on my arm and I've got this spot on my arm and I've, and you have to then realise that they're giving you an emotional communication so that might be necessary to say something like, you seem very worried about it or tell me a bit more what you're worried about or what questions have you got about this thing so that you find, and then they say, but I'm really worried it's a melanoma, it's got, it's cancer, my next door neighbour's got that. You can say, so I understand you've got this spot and I understand why you're worried about that. Let's have a really thorough look at it with my magnifying glass and we'll work out what to do next. Because if they're saying the same thing over again, it's usually because there's an emotional bit, which they haven't spelt out. So people aren't always very good at um, being able to articulate their emotions. Um Quite often people go down kind of blind alleys by asking a lot of questions about the past rather than trying to really understand what's going on right now. Uh, And we'll sometimes say, oh, has this happened to you before? And go on about something that happened 10 years ago rather than saying, well, tell me more about what's going on right now. And the other thing, which is a funny little time waster, which is kind of a meme, I think, because uh, it didn't used to happen and now it does happen, is I quite often ask hear clinicians saying things like, um, repeatedly saying things like, I'd like to ask you a few questions about your chest pain. Is that all right with you? Mm. And then, is it all right if I ask you about your breathing? And will it be all right if I, I well, you know, the patient really is on side when they come to see you. The only time you really need to do that in in very much detail is if you want to ask about something embarrassing or something that might be a bit sensitive like you know I'd like to ask a little bit about whether you feel safe at home is that is that okay with you so you don't need to ask permission in an elaborate way and that wastes a lot of time as well and the other big thing that wastes a lot of time is when the patient has already told you what they're worried about lots of times in their opening statement people will say I've come about this abdominal pain or whatever it is And I'm really worried about it because my dad had cancer. Well, later on, if you say to them, what are you really worried about? It feels to them like you haven't listened, but also it's wasting time because they've already told you that. And that's where summarising can save time, because if you listen carefully and put it all together, a summary shouldn't be a big repetition. It should be like, 
so you've had this abdominal pain, which has been quite worrying because of your family history. So now I'd like to examine you. And that's an example of this second time saving thing that I was talking about. There's a little structuring statement in there that says, now I'd like to move on and examine you, which means let's move into the next bit of the consultation. So you're kind of creating a bit of forward momentum there. Uh, and there are lots of structuring statements that you can use to join the different tasks of the consultation. So, you know, when you've explained something to somebody, you can say, and, and I understand now your response is this, and you're particularly concerned about that. So now could we move on to thinking about what would be the best choice for you? And then you're already kind of creating a bit of momentum or when you've done all that and got a personalised care plan that's going to work for them, you can say, well, I, I think, you know, we've, we've got a plan. We're coming to the end now before you go. And again, it's signalling that you're moving forwards. Um, could I just ask you to, to go over what we've decided so I can make sure I haven't missed anything out? And then the patient can say, well, I'm going to get a blood test. Um, I'm going to go and see the nurse for a complete health check. And she's going to give me some advice about diet and exercise. And I'm going to see you in a month, whatever. And then you know that if anything's been missed out, then you can do use, And you can say, well, the other thing I'd like to do before you go is just go over what to look out for. Then you can do your safety netting or whatever. So those little structuring statements create a little bit of forward movement. Perfect. Great top tips there. Um, we wanted to uh, to pick your brains a little bit about um, kind of complex patients with chronic conditions because um, I think both of us have found that um, they can often cause overrunning in a consultation and a lot of it is to do with the fact that you have to listen to everything that's happening with the patient but you're also trying to look in the notes and bring all the story together and everything's kind yeah. of all over the place and you're looking at letters and you're trying to figure out what the actual story is um, and get the narrative right. Um, so have you got any advice or any resources or any kind of pointers for that? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, core skills are really crucial here. Uh, continuity will help you massively. So try and aim to see the same patient again and encourage them to book with you. Even if you think they're quite difficult, the more you see them, the more you'll get to love them and the easier it'll be to look after them. So, so do that first. But also, this is about the power of preparation. If you know you've got a complicated patient coming, you're probably better giving yourself five minutes to really look at the record, get it straight in your head get the sequence and look at the medication and go, ah, oh, that's why they're on these things. And that's why we've got to this point and looking at why they've come in recently so that you're actually already to some extent familiar with their narrative. Don't try and do that in real time because it's really difficult and distracting and they know you're not listening and you can't listen. But if you say, oh, I've had a look at your notes and I see you've had quite a lot of whatever it is, serious health problems with this. And a, there was a letter from outpatients recently suggesting surgery, wasn't there? Then they'll think this person's taking some trouble and their trust in you is greater and it's easier then to have the conversation. So those preparation things are really important. And actually, paradoxically, the agenda setting is really important. So particularly when you know people or you're seeing them again, it's, it's, it's I think, as Sarah said, it's quite tempting to say, oh, how are you going? You know, how are you? How's it going? And that's fine as a little introduction. But really, you want to say... So what are we going to really focus on talking about today? And they might say, well, I want the result of that x-ray or whatever that we came. And you can say, yeah, or you might say, I've got the result of your x-ray to discuss. But they might also say, well, I tried that stuff last time, but really in between this other things happened that we need to talk about. 
So then that stops you saying things like, you know, I don't know, how's your bad leg? When really yeah. they've got chest pain and a pneumonia and they, they, they've forgotten about the leg because they can't get upstairs because they're so breathless. So it's about saying, well, what do you want to talk about today? And what questions have you got about that today? So that we can focus on what's really useful today. And there are two chapters in TALC, actually, one in module four, which is about personalising care. Module four, chapter eight, is called Do Non-Clinical Problems Take Up Your Clinic Time? And this is about how to work with the problems that people with chronic illnesses often do talk to you about, which can be housing or their boss or difficulties at home. And there are ways of using that conversation to empower them to come up with the solutions rather than you fixing everything. And in TALP module five, which is advanced skills for planning personalised care, um, five two is called how to enjoy those patients with long term problems. And one of the things in that chapter is what we tend to do as clinicians is focus on what's going wrong. So we tend to say something like, how bad has your arthritis pain been? Whereas actually, if you think about how you talk about it, you might want to say something more like, what has been your best day recently? Mm. Which was your best day last week? What was going on then? What made that the best day? Was that because you got your medication right? Or was it because you went out and saw your grandchildren? Or was it because whatever it was, how could we make a bit more of that happen? Or, you know, or what what did you do last week that you valued? Oh, so you you got to the park. Do you like going to the park? Would you like to get further? How could we help you get further? So that you look at what's positively happening, not focusing on the disease process all the time. And that can kind of change the nature of the conversation. I mean, you haven't got to be too Pollyanna-ish about it. But even somebody who's struggling with a lot of illnesses will have some aspects which are going well or better. And it's helpful to start thinking about how you can maximise those. That's such a good point about thinking about the positive. Often we really do focus on the negative all day long. So yeah. Um, The other thing we wanted to talk to you about was a bit about assertiveness skills or if when we're at odds with patients and sometimes that can take up time, Mm. sometimes it feels like it's going to be quicker to say yes to things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so any any advice around those types of difficult conversations, possibly about an, a letter or antibiotics or yeah. things like that? I, I think you're absolutely right. You've highlighted that in some ways it's you want to say yes, but you kind of also know that in the long run that's going to take up more time because mm-hmm. they'll come again for the same thing mm-hmm. or doing the thing they want is going to be time-consuming or difficult or you're going to have to get, you know, you asking for something which is going to get sent back and somebody's going to say, we don't we don't take off tattoos in this area or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So this is kind of about how to say no nicely, isn't it? And you won't be surprised, and I hope <laughs> you'll be thrilled uh, to know there's a whole chapter on this in module five, which is advanced skills for planning personalised care called Never Say Never, How to Say No While Still Saying Yes. Mm-hmm. And the key thing here is to start with what you can agree on and to share your thinking with the patient. So let's start with antibiotics. I mean, somebody might come in and say, I want some antibiotics for this sore throat. And often people say, sore throats don't need antibiotics usually. And there's all these good reasons why we should have antibiotic stewardship and blah, blah, blah. And that's why you're not having them. It's much better to say, yes, I understand that. And I understand that that, that's a concern. Thank you for telling me that. Tell me about your sore throat, blah, 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 blah. Now, when you've reached a decision about what might need to be done, the first thing is not to say, no, you can't have antibiotics, but to say, right, I've done this assessment. This is what I think will help, whatever you think that is. 
what's your response to that? And the patient might say, okay. They might say, well, what about antibiotics? And then you have to find some agreement. You have to say, why are you thinking of antibiotics? Because I think it'll make it get better quickly, say, for example. You can say, well, of course, I would agree with you. I think using antibiotics when they make you get better quickly is really important. And there are some conditions like that. I'm agreeing with you. And these are the kind of things that I know about the condition you have. Um, antibiotics don't shorten the course of this kind of illness. And so you wouldn't get any better any quicker. So if you if you did have these kind of symptoms, I would be thinking about giving you antibiotics. So if you had a fever over 40 or whatever, whatever you think they are, let, let's just go over it. Have you got a fever over 40? No, I haven't. Have you got pus coming out of your ears? Actually, no, you haven't. Then the patient says no. You don't say no. They say no. And they're using the word no. You're not saying the word no. And then you can say, so I, I think on balance, it's probably okay for us to go with whatever treatment. Does that feel okay with you? And they're probably going to say yes then. Now, there's a bit more refinement in this in the chapter and a bit more detail about how to do this. But it usually means going with what their concern is and sharing that concern and then gradually explaining why you might not share that concern. And, for example, when people say, I think I need a, a whole body scan, that's another classic, isn't it? And you can say, okay, I understand that. What's making you think that? Da, da, da. This is the kind of thing we'd think about that. Does that make sense to you? In this situation, we might think about doing an ultrasound of whatever it is, because that will show us more detail or whatever it is. So you, you start to explain your thinking in a very clear and shared and open way. And that can often make it easier without you ever actually having to say no. I like that, that bit about the... Um... The agreement, especially the the examples with there with the antibiotics, where you say, "Well, actually, yes, I agree that it would be useful to use antibiotics if that was the case." That's such a nice phrase, um, because then you get, it does lead you into being able to explain why not. Yeah, and 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 rather to to just sort of say these are things we're looking at. So I was thinking about your temperature. Well, it's normal, so that's good news, isn't it? Well, they're going to say yes to that. And I was thinking about looking about the exudates and discharges and pus in your throat. Well, when I looked in, I was really pleased to see there aren't any of those. That's great. So I'm sure you're pleased that your throat is just a bit red, but it's, it hasn't got any exudates. And I was checking for glands in your neck and, and actually your glands in your neck are normal. So that's also quite encouraging. Yeah, you're building the evidence. It's not just an opinion of two people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're also using positive language about what you're saying. So you're not saying this is a classic, which I've heard people say a lot, something like I can't particularly find anything wrong. Well, the patient just hears you can't. So find me a doctor who can. Particularly, that sounds a bit offhand, wrong, wrong things are bad. Whereas if you say I've examined you and everything is normal. It's a totally different way of phrasing it. Yeah, that's a different message. Yeah. I've examined you carefully and everything is normal. It's even better. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be examined carefully and thoroughly. So use those kind of words to build up your positive state of mind with the patient. So Avril, we've talked about core skills. We've talked about structuring statements. I'm going to try and use this. <laughs> we've talked about complex patients and saying no and methods of saying no without necessarily saying no. Um, what do you think are your main learning points that you'd like people to take away from our chat today? Okay, I suppose for me that the key things are really hone your core skills because if you use them properly, time will be used more efficiently in the consultation. And the talc modules will help you to do that. We are having a super new website coming along soon, but I think the links will still work. And if you Google talc consultation skills, you will definitely get there. 
And I think the other thing is um, that if you've already done that, but you'd still like to take your time management to a higher level, look in TALC Module 7, which has got these specific ways of thinking about how time is used in the consultation and how you can use time in an effective and efficient way. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Avril. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you and I've really enjoyed the the resource as well. So thank you very much for all the effort on those. Well, thank you. It's great to talk to you both. Thank you. So that was absolutely amazing talking to Dr. Avril Danchak today. Um, what were your learning points, Lisa? Oh, it's just so lovely to speak to her again. She's so fabulous. Um, I've basically just written down lots of phrases that she said um, because I really liked how she spoke. Um, but if I go from the top, um, I like that she said um, that the ear is mightier than the scalpel. Um, I thought that was lovely. This It was a lovely um, motto for general practice, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And just the importance of consultation skills. So I really, really liked that. Mm. Um, and then um, I liked the bit that she talked about with the, with the agenda set and the fact that, that the ways that you can do that without being really blatant with well what else is on your list um being able to say do you have any other questions about that or what else were you planning to talk to me about um and then being quite specific particularly later when she talked about the complex patients and the chronic patients about saying what is it today that we are talking about and is there anything else today that we're talking about um because that was always what i struggled with yeah what about you um yeah i agree i think um i've been a bit skeptical as to how I can improve my time management in consultations. Um, I've tried loads of different resources and different things. And um, we've spoken to Avril before about this. And I still feel like, oh, you know, slow consultors are always going to be slow consultors. But actually, I think think what she's saying about, no, there is a structure to this. There is a science to this. There is a skill set to this. And it's all just about embedding those core skills. And I really do totally get on board with her I think the agenda setting thing is just so paramount and it has been quite useful to try and just keep going and forget about again because that's how general practice works and then come back to it again and I I really think in terms of the power of that as well because sometimes I feel very I feel like my listening skills are quite good but I think my control over the consultation isn't great so the whole thing about summarizing being the engine of the consultation so good um and then chunking and checking rather than that kind of writing reflex where people are just sort of wrote monologuing off what they know about something checking rechecking where are you up to now um structuring statements was amazing as well yeah you're right and i liked the i liked her um kind of positive thing spin on things so the the learning to love a list because it means the patient's organized and the reframing <laughs> of that was lovely um and yeah. like thinking about asking the patient what their best day was like um and that kind of again positive spin on things just so that because it is very negative isn't it when you're talking about mm-hmm. people's health and it's always just like what's wrong and where are the problems mm-hmm. but actually taking all these positive reframings was very nice so i liked i like those bits that she said as well it's so so true you can learn so much from how people have managed things as well and you pick that up and you can take that to other people um i liked the complex patient thing about preparing first and actually the preparation and the agenda setting being like so paramount as well right it was just fabulous talking to her again um and yeah as always um you can get in touch with us in a couple of different ways if you want to give us any feedback or any suggestions for any episodes um and we'll put all of the information in the episode description for you to be able to access um and thank you to everybody who's who gets in touch regularly with us and we do still love getting um feedback and hearing from all your listeners so please keep it up 
until next time on Primary Care Knowledge Boost. This podcast has been able to continue to date due to the support of GP Excellence, Wigan Borough CCG, Greater Manchester Training Hub and the GP Fellowship Programme, as well as Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership. Just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Greater Manchester in 2022. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before you make any treatment decisions. The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.